is right around the corner. College football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THBN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THBN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This offers for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The 23rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. Made. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Anthony back with you guys today. and We're going to give you our all-time Roy Williams starting fives as we are going to put a bow on our um, trip down the 18 years of Roy Williams' career at Carolina as Carolina's Head basketball coaches will give you our all-time starting five lines. But before we do that, we start with a pod thought of the day, and we go back to Roy Williams, who once said, and this really applies uh, to me when someone says my name, if someone says your name and it makes someone else smile, that's a good legacy to leave. Yeah, most people are smiling because you're not in the room with them, but you know. (laughs) Take it for whatever you you think it's worth. Thought that was a good one to go back to old Roy as we are going to celebrate um, really the last part of his legacy with an all-time starting five lineup for him. And we'll start. I'll go first. We'll alternate position by positions with the point guards. The point guard's probably one of the toughest ones you got to select from because during his time at Carolina, had a lot of great ones. Raymond Felton, Ty Lawson, Kendall Marshall, Marcus Page, the recently retired Joel Berry, Kobe White. Could even throw Cole Anthony into that mix as well. Um, a lot to choose from. Bobby Frazier. Bobby Frazier, quality <laughs> point guard. Quentin Thomas. Nate Britt. Stillman White. Um, yeah, Stillman <laughs> White. Candler Coker, I think, was listed Taylor. on the roster as a Ta- point guard. Taylor Vipolis' his favorite uh, player for the Tar Heel basketball team. Um. I went with my first favorite Tar Heel, um, which was Ty Lawson. And I listed off his accolades as a player at Carolina. 
He was an ACC All-Freshman his freshman year. Was a member of the 2007 All-ACC Tournament team. Was a 2008-2009 ACC Player of the Year. Was a member of the 2008-2009 All-ACC team. Was a two-time NCAA All-Region uh, Award winner. 2009 All-American. 2009 NCAA All-Tournament team. And, of course, top that being a 2009 national champion. Of course, in that title game against Michigan State, he set the record for steals by an individual player in the title game. He tied it in the first half, broke that record very early on in the second half as Carolina decimated the Spartans on the way to the national championship. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions at who was the best point guard to ever play under Roy Williams. By the way, did you not mention Kendall Marshall in that rant? I don't think I did. Kendall Marshall also was in that, that loot of great Tar Heels to, to play point guard. Um, and look, there's a lot of, of course, we just mentioned a lot of great players play the point guard position. I think Kendall Marshall was the best passer of all the guys that have played here. I think Marcus Page and Joel Bear were some of the greatest leaders of of the point guards to play here. But the one thing that Roy Williams wants his team to do or wanted his team to do and that I want my team to do is run. And nobody that I've ever seen in Carolina Blue and maybe in college basketball got up and down the court as quickly as Ty Lawson. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I mean, he was uh, about as, as good as it gets with that, with controlling the tempo of a team that wanted to play fast. And, you know, the thing that I liked about him, too, is that you saw as he got later and later in his career, I mean, he was not quite the man that Kendall Marshall was in terms of moving the basketball. But at the same time, he was a guy that could score the ball a lot better than just about any point guard that's Carolina's had in recent memory. Um, He's just such a complete player. And you talk about a guy that also on the defensive end got it done as well. I mean, this was a guy that averaged 1.8 steals per game in his career. So while he was a guy that could score the ball at one end, especially later on in his career, he was a guy that could also get the job done when you needed him to, um, on the defensive end of the floor. And also, he didn't turn the ball over no. a lot. Like, that's the thing that when you look at some of the point guards here recently, Carolina's had some really talented point guards. Caleb Love will probably be a guy that you would expect will get into that conversation here in the next couple of years as well. But a lot of the guys more recently, you're going to look at that turnover statistic, and that's what's going to hurt you. And for Ty Lawson, the thing that's so impressive about that is when you run this high-tempo offense, you're more apt to turn the ball over. Just based on, you know... The more you're possessions, to, you're going to turn it yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, you're theory. trying to throw an outlet pass, too. It's 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 a lot... It's not as easy to control your passes in the open floor at times as it is when you're in the half-court situations. And for him, he did everything that you needed him to do in terms of taking care of the basketball while still being able to play that quick tempo. Uh, I, I mean, I, I same thing. I've got him... I, I'm not going to put him... I, I didn't put point guard around I put one my one guard because my two guard is also a guy that could be considered a point guard but yeah I'd have him up there as well if you don't have him in your starting five I mean that's a really tough sell unless you're just really wanting to go with a guy like Kendall Marshall that spreads the ball around he he was just too complete of a player not to be in there and you gotta you gotta go back to that 2009 team which was loaded 
But when he got hurt at the end of that season, and you saw what Carolina looked like in that ACC tournament and before he returned to form against LSU in the NCAA tournament, as great as Tyler Hansborough was, Wayne Ellington was, Danny Green was, Carolina needed Ty Lawson to win that national championship. He, You could argue of all three national title teams that Carolina had under Roy Williams, he was the most important player to any of those teams because Carolina, as good as Bobby Frazier was coming off the bench, and Bobby was the guy that wasn't going to get yourself beat, but he couldn't help you win at the level Ty Lawson was, Carolina just functionally different without him. And that 09 season... You look at what he did when you know at Duke, scored 21 in the second half to lead Carolina from a double-digit deficit to their fourth straight win in Cameron Indoor Stadium. The game against LSU, Carolina was down, double digits. He turns it on, Carolina pulls away on their way to the Sweet 16. Just an efficient, all-around player in his entire career. Um, averaged 13.1 points, 5.8 assists, 52% from the field. A 40% three-point shooter, um, 78% from the foul line. His effective field goal percent, uh, percentage was 58%. And unlike Marcus Page, Joel Berry, he didn't have that that freshman hangover or that or that, that that adjustment. He got handed the keys to Carolina's offense and ran with it. And I think that's just something that really separated him away from all the other guys was that there was no transition for him when he got from when he got from Oak Hill Academy to Carolina and it just translated on the court to a spectacular career and he's both of our one guards on our all-time starting fives. My two guard is an is a natural shooting guard. I did not put two point guards in my starting five. I did think about doing it though. Mm-hmm. And I went with his backcourt mate for 3 years which is Wayne Ellington. I think we can all agree between him and Cam Johnson, they had the two sweetest shooting strokes we've ever seen from Tar Heels in our lifetime. Wayne could just shoot the ball, put the ball in the basket, and looked pretty doing it. During his career, three-time All-ACC uh, tournament member, 2007-2008 All-ACC team, was 2009 All-Region team, 2009 All-NCAA tournament team, was a 2009 Final Four Most Outstanding Player over Ty Lawson over Tyler Hansborough, which, of course, culminated in that 2009 National Championship game for his career, a 14.7 point per game score, four rebounds, 2.2 assists, 46% from the field, 40% three-point shooter like like Ty Lawson, but, of course, he shot a higher volume of them, 81% from the foul line, 55% effective field goal percentage. And this was a guy that, from the minute he showed up, to the minute he left campus and even now into the NBA, was the goods a sharpshooter as you could get at, at the time in college. Um, and just a guy that, you know, especially in the 2009 NCAA tournament run in that Final Four, there was a reason he got that most outstanding player over a Ty Lawson and Tyler Hansborough. He didn't miss from three in those two games against Villanova and Michigan State. But I also thought he was very good and effective for Carolina defensively as well for a team that didn't have to play a lot of defense because they could outscore anybody. But when he wanted to, he could play a lot of defense. Um, he's had an underrated NBA career, but in college, as good as a uh, shooting guard as you were ever going to find. Yeah, definitely not as well recognized as the other two guys that we, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say it. We both have these the other two guys, the main leaders in our starting five. I mean, if you don't have Tyler Hansborough in your starting five, you probably shouldn't be doing a list of any in basketball history. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, he I, – I, yeah, it's it's either him or Cam Johnson as the best shooters that have played for Carolina under Roy Williams. And to be honest with you, I mean, they might be the two best of all time in Carolina program history. I mean, yeah, you're right. He was unbelievable in the Final Four. But that – I mean, the thing was is that we don't even really remember – just how great that was as opposed to some of the other great performances like like Joel Berry's is more memorable because you know he did it on the two bum ankles and that at, at times for the most part that was not Joel Berry throughout his career Wayne Ellington that really didn't shock us yeah. because we were like well this is Wayne, this is what Wayne's been doing for this entire time yeah he was just such a great uh, a solid player he he was probably the toughest person for me to leave out of my starting five. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, either the, the the first or second toughest player to leave out. Um, at my two guard, I, I, I went with the second point guard. I went with Kobe White, mm. mainly because I think if Kobe White... Recency bias? If he had been here, like let's say he has even the three year three years that you had from Ty Lawson... He would probably be Carolina's best scoring point guard of all time. Yes. He filled it up. I mean, he was just – and the thing about him is you may think, well, if you're playing him at the two guard, can he play off ball? Yes. He thrived. I mean, that's the thing about him. He was so good at so many different elements of the game. He wasn't as fast as Ty Lawson was in the open floor. He was still pretty dang fast playing up-tempo. And I think the thing that really separated him from Ty Lawson – I also didn't have that 18-foot mid-range jump shot Kobe White could dribble to stop, pop, and score. I, I mean, I see, if he would have returned for even his sophomore year, I think that he, without a doubt, I mean, he could have been the runaway player of the year in college basketball. He was just that damn good. Yeah. Like, I, I, he could fill it up from wherever he was at on the floor. I mean, you go back and look at games like – I mean, they lost the game to Texas early in the year. He scored 33 in that game. That was the only reason they were even in that game. Texas, he willed Carolina from behind at home against Miami. That was the game that I was going to. That's the game that I remember the most. He He didn't miss. He put that team on his back and just went unbelievably nuts in that second half to lead them to the win. But the thing is, is if you go back and look at some of the games throughout his career at Carolina, he did that a lot. There were some games, I mean, they're very few. There were some times where he wasn't all that effective. And when he was off, he was off. He Mm -hmm. had some rough nights. But for the most part, when he was on, he was unstoppable. He could take over the game because there were so many different areas in the half court that he could score mainly. And then when he wanted to speed you up, get out of the way because he was just going to bowl right by you. Wasn't the greatest defender. Well, that's not what he's going to get be remembered for, but still a definitely a willing defender. He didn't have to defend because you had Kenny Williams right there right. beside you. The thing that, and I think you brought it up, big moments didn't face him. Um, he led a he led the team to an upset win of number one Duke in camera. He didn't play great, but you still got to play well enough to do that kind of situ that that kind of thing. That senior day game against Duke, he was sensational. I always reference the play where he dribbled around three defenders with two dribbles. That's your favorite. That might be uh, one of your favorite uh, non game winning plays. Yeah, in um, but he was just he was a guy that was always ready for the moment. 
and I think I'm maybe maybe you don't in this same uh, agreement with me that I am. Outside of uh, Marcus Page, there's never been a guy I wanted to win a national championship more. We only had one year of Kobe White. That because we all like we all just fell in love with him. Well, Bryce Johnson was the one that was up there on my list. That's probably not as high on your on your list. I I absolutely love Bryce Johnson, but oh no, no doubt, no doubt, he he was he was so he was easily to me. When you talk about a guy that in the preseason we weren't talking about a ton, like we were talking about him, but when we looked at that roster, we said to ourselves, okay, well he's probably a guy that's going to take a little bit here to sort of get himself going. We're going to temper our expectations just a little bit. Well, we didn't need to with him. We, we didn't realize it at the time, but we didn't need to with him. I, I mean, re- I remember listening to an interview Adam Lucas did, and he's he was upon the same agreements. We're gonna it's gonna take till about December, January, right? That team because this was all before pre-COVID, they took a preseason trip to the Bahamas just to go and played against the national teams down there. And he's, and he's like, you know, we left that gym knowing he is an NBA-ready prospect now. Yeah, I mean, we so, were talking that entire offseason, like, this is Luke May's time yeah. to lead. We're probably yeah, – Cam John, we didn't know how good Cam Johnson was <laughs> going to be before then, but we were like, okay, Cam's going to be a big part of it. The guy we were all hyped about was Nazir Little. We were like, this is the freshman that we got to be focused on. He's going to be great. And Kobe White came in. And, I mean, from a guy that wasn't talked about to, in my opinion, easily the most exciting player on that team night in, night out. I mean, you could debate that with Cam Johnson because, I mean, Cam Johnson was a fantastic player. But, dude, Kobe White was just – Kobe White had the hair. It was so fun to watch him play because you could tell there was just – he. The other – he brought the same energy to every game. It didn't matter who you were playing. If you were playing – Wofford, or if you were playing Duke, he was playing the same every game, and that's what I like so much about him. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think no doubt if he stayed there, he would be. I, I, if he would have stayed a second year, I think he would be right in the conversation with Lawson, Felton, and those guys as the best point guard. I think he's not going to get talked about in that ilk because of the fact that he went after his first year, but this dude was freaking sensational, man. Did you consider Rashad McCants in your list? I mean, look, you're not doing your homework right if you don't, but I I mean, if you compare him with some of the other guys, like I wouldn't put him over Wayne Ellington. I wouldn't either. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I looked at him, but – yeah, I mean, it, I think it's natural that we're not going to want to put him in there. You, I mean, his say what you want. His legacy is damaged by the fact in Carolina fans' minds. Oh, and, absolutely. And people that cover Carolina even that have, even if you're kind of what we are, which is cover Carolina with a Carolina lean, you're going to look at him differently than you looked at him when he left campus. Because of what's happened. That's natural. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. And it, now, if you're an unbiased person, yeah, he'd probably be in the in the thick of the conversation. But to me, it, would I put him, let's say we're going too deep here, would I put him on my too deep? He didn't make my too deep. No, no, I yeah. wouldn't put him there either. But that's in part because of Wayne Ellington. The good news is, is that for Rashad McCants, if he ever gets to the point where he wants to make amends, 
Well, didn't he try? He, he, he hasn't done what he's got to do. But... Look, the family welcomed back in Matt Doherty. I talked with Joseph Forte earlier this summer. He's made amends. There is a pathway for Rashad McCants to get back in the good graces with Tar Heel fans. I go to my small forward. And this was one that I had a lot of a lot of discussion with internally. You got Danny Green, who won a national championship, a great two-way player. Harrison Barnes was a number one recruit, was really important for Carolina turning it around after that down 2010 season. I went with Cam Johnson, and maybe that's putting too much into that one season. But that 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 2018-19 season started all 36 games, played 30 minutes a night, shot took only 12 shots per game, made six of them. He was a 50% shooter from the field, 56% shooter from two-point land, 46% from three, so not the 50% we always throw out there, but 46% from three You know what? I'll keep on six that attempts a game is pretty doggone good. Led the team in scoring, was a legitimate, was a legitimate argument for him to be the ACC player of the year that year. Um, didn't work out on that, but he was 2018-19 All-ACC team, mid-2018-19 All-ACC tournament team. And, you know, I was putting it in there, and it's like, you know, Danny Green was a great two-way player. Harrison Barnes, I thought, was like maybe the most underwhelming player with all the hype coming in. Maybe him and Nazir Little. That was the problem that I was going to say with him. Um, Yeah, no, Little, I think, has him topped. But, I mean, you're talking about – and look, there was a lot that Cam Johnson, his game got a lot because of Roy Williams in Carolina. Like, had Cam Johnson stayed at Pittsburgh, does he become the players we're seeing with him now in the Phoenix no, Suns? not even close. Absolutely not. And his growth from his first year to the second year was as big as any player we've ever seen. He was a completely different player his second year as opposed to what we saw when he came, when he transferred in that first year. He was a role player his first year. He became a guy that should have won ACC player of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I, I don't say what you want. Zion was great. Cam Johnson, he was had the a best player season. on the team, on the best team in the league that year. Right? I, I mean, you shot forty six percent from three, dude, and led your team in scoring. I mean, what what more do you need to see from him? Like, I, seriously. And I, but you know what? That's that's an argument. That's an argument that we've already had on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, he got strong consideration. Um. That was he was he was one of the other ones that was right up there. I mean, there there were there were about three or four guys that would be on the second team that could easily have made the first team, and nobody would argue with it. Oh yeah, for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went with Danny Green because you're talking about the two way ability that he has. Uh, I mean, just so important to. That national championship team what, for the Tar Heels. What I've always wondered with Danny Green, and he's going to have a great NBA career. Does Danny Green become Danny Green if Marcus Ginyer doesn't get hurt? Ah, I mean, look, he because he, he was a bench player the year before the '09 run to the national championship. Now, granted, he was right. a great piece coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 11, 11 and a half off the bench that but, year. Uh, played. I mean. I don't know because he. I mean, he played 22 minutes that year. Only played 27 his senior year. So not. I mean, not a huge step up. So maybe. But 
I mean, to me, yes, I, because I think he's a he was a better scorer than Marcus Ginyard was. Marcus Ginyard did some good things for you, but Danny Green was the more complete player of the two. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I went I went with Danny, but I mean, it, it, there's definitely room for debate here. But the thing for me is, is like, I mean, you go back to his senior year. I mean, he shot forty seven percent from the field overall. Uh, I mean, forty-one percent from the outside, and then yeah, you're talking about. I mean, he couldn't, didn't really rebound a whole lot for you then. Now he can rebound a little bit better at the NBA level. He's probably also a better defender at mm-hmm. the NBA level than I he was then, but he was still a really good defender uh, at the college level for you. And that's my thing. I, I also, when we do these, I also kind of imagine that this is a team that's actually together. Yeah. So. You're looking at Ty Lawson and Kobe White in the backcourt. Guys that can play some defense but weren't really locked down defenders. I need a Danny I need Danny Green in there to sort of help me as a as as a defender. But I mean, that's the position where I feel like you could probably make the case for the most people. Cause there's not a clear leader. I mean, you're yeah. talking about I mean, yeah, Cam Johnson, Justin Jackson is. I mean that that one, that that's the one. I mean, him and Cam Johnson, I think, are very comparable. Yeah. as well. Um, so it's extremely tough to leave him off. You're talking about a guy who won a national championship, was an ACC Player of the Year in 2017. I just took Cam Johnson because it, for me, right. it became it came down between Cam Johnson and Justin Jackson over Danny Green. And over Harrison Barnes. Barbin Williams, if you project forward with him, would probably be one right. to consider as well. Um, but I'm like with you. When I'm compiling my team, I'm thinking about how would I want this team to play. Mm-hmm. I think Cam Johnson, his length would make a difference on the perimeter. And a guy that can shoot 47% from three on the amount of attempts I'm willing to let him take, it's hard to leave that guy off the list. Now we move down into the, the, the post. And for me... The two guys that are going to anchor the 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 post for me, there's only two answers. Carolina's had some great f- big men. Yep. But when I'm starting my power four position, going with current assistant head coach or current assistant coach Sean May, and you know, and you brought this up in pre-production. I mean, he was his 2005 year is one of the best individual years we've ever seen, especially that run from the Duke re- regular season finale. To when they beat Illinois in the national title game, but a two-time All ACC member, 2005 All American, 2005 NCAA All Region, 2005 NCAA All Tournament, 2005 Final Four Most Outstanding Player, and a 2005 National Champion. He was the dominant force before Tyler Hansborough should have became even more dominant. There were things that Sean May could do that you hadn't really seen before from a big man. He could pass out of double teams really well. That was a part of Carolina's offense, was he could initiate, um, get those hockey assists. But he was a walking, a walking double-double his entire career at Carolina. Um, For his career, he averaged a double-double, 15.8 points, 10 rebounds, 51% from the field. You know, Matt Doherty always has said that if he doesn't get her 2002, 2003, because he only played 11 games, maybe that season goes differently and things turn out differently. But when Roy Williams got a hold of him, yeah, we're not we're not really hurt. That we're, we're not. That when Roy got a hold of him, just a completely different player, and his jump from 04 to 05 
has <clears throat> took as big a step as anybody on that team. And that whole team took a really big step. Like a Raymond Felton, you know, you add Marvin Williams, Rashad McCants took the next step, Jawad Williams took the next step. But Sean May was just dominant. And that that Duke game at home when they came back, that that might be the most dominant performance we've ever seen. Twenty six and twenty four, like that's unheard of. That's unbelievable against he Duke at, with an ACC regular season title we, on the line. We talked about that game when we went through the Duke, our, our favorite Duke games. Uh, it, the rest of the team was not good in that game. <laughs> And he just said, you know what? I'm going to take over every aspect of this game for Carolina. Um, you know, I was looking. I, I th- There was definitely a leap for him. I wouldn't say that it was as big as Cam Johnson's junior to senior leap because – I mean, his first, the first year that Roy was there, that was his, that was still his, his workhorse. The guy that did the most work. He averaged fifteen point two a game, nine point eight rebounds. The problem was, was that he averaged almost, uh, yeah, a little over one more field goal per game. But his field goal percentage overall was ten percent lower. Well, the biggest wasn't thing for as him efficient was that his body was different from that first year to second year. Also, shot free throws a lot better as well. Took the steps that you needed to see from your veteran leader that made the difference in Carolina being a good team and being a great team. Yeah, and that was the thing about him. And yeah, I mean, you're talking about a dude that could just bully you inside. And I mean, it made sense because he had the bigger frame and everything like that. And he 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 could go to work and take over a game inside for you. And yeah, I mean, I I, I you know, I went. I there were, of course, that was the one that you debated back and forth a little bit with because you're not not leaving Tyler Hansborough. God no. Um. So I mean, Tyler Zeller thought about him a little bit. Thought about John Henson. Also, if you want to go more modern. I thought about Luke May. You also, Luke May needs to be in the conversation. Most people probably would listen and laugh at that. Dude, Luke May's final last two, two years, years were great. Gra- I mean, he was a tremendous player. Um, you mentioned Kobe White. Hey, he stayed where well, he could have projected. If Brandon Wright would have stayed and played oh, three man, years. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, would have right done about some him. things that yeah. would have hindered Tyler Zeller from doing some things. And, like, maybe you don't get John Henson and all that. But a lot of great power forward spots. And I'm with you. Like, John Henson, there's an argument there. Tyler Zeller, a great four-year player. Mm-hmm. Luke May, from a preferred walk-on to a end-of-the-bench scholarship guy to an ACC most-improved player to Carolina's first option. You can't laugh at that guy being considered. Of course, he made the shot against Kentucky, but he also, the two nights before, obliterated Butler and won the... Um, he was the region most outstanding player yeah. for that regional. Like it wasn't just he made a shot against Kentucky and that was it. Luke May had a legendary career at Carolina, but Sean May was just the obvious answer, mm-hmm. like the center is. Michael Jordan is the best player to play basketball, and he played basketball at North Carolina. But the best player to ever play basketball at North Carolina in for, college for North yeah Carolina. for North Carolina is Tyler Hansborough. It's not even an argument. If you want to argue it, argue a wall. This man, four-year player, was 2005, 2006. What? 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 ACC Rookie of the Year. ACC All-Freshman. 
2007-2008 ACC Player of the Year, 2008 ACC Tournament MVP, four-time All-ACC, four-time All-American, was a 2008 Naismith Award winner, so the nation's best player, also won the Wooden Award and the Adolph Rope Trophy, three-time NCAA All-Region, so three times Carolina made the second weekend of the tournament, and he was an All-Region player. And, of course, he capped that with a 2009 National Championship. Roy Williams always said, leading during that season, that he's never wanted a guy more to win a National Championship than Tyler Hansborough. And you've never seen a guy that played with more desperation night in, night out, than Tyler Hansborough. I didn't even mention Carolina's all-time leading scorer surpassed Phil Ford. ACC all-time leading scorer when he surpassed J.J. Redick. And those are two marks that it's going to be really, really hard to top because you got to stay in college four years to mount the amount of production he did. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, um, Just a dominant force from the moment he showed up as a freshman knocking down threes in Cameron Indoor Stadium up until Carolina got redemption and beat Michigan State in the 2009 national final. I mean, it was unbelievable how clear it was, probably going into his sophomore year, how much better he was than any other player in the nation, and it wasn't even close. Yeah. I mean, go back to the national championship game. He made Goran Sutan look like he, you know, I, I don't, I mean, he embarrassed him. And that was a guy that at the time, a lot of people were like, this is one of the better players in college basketball. Tyler Hansborough made him look like he was a rec league player out there. I mean, it's just he never averaged less than 18.4 points a game in a season. Yeah. I mean, Sean May, who we just talked about, never hit that mark in his career, even in his career year. Like, this dude was unbelievably dominant. You go back to the game that he played in his freshman year against Duke at Duke. Game where J.J. Redick was the guy that everybody was talking about. Redick had a terrible night. Tyler Hansborough pretty much took the torch from him and said, this is my conference now. Move over. And, I, I mean, just one of those guys where if you looked at him, especially, I mean, go back and look at the photos of him with all the weird faces that he used to make. <laughs> you would not think that this is the guy that's the that was the face of the ACC for four years. But he was, without a doubt in my mind, probably the most dominant player in the ACC all four years that he was there. Yes. I mean, there's just, there's no way to, 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 overstate how important he was for Carolina basketball at that time. And I mean, look, you won the national championship with Sean May and those guys. There, I don't think they get a second national championship if Tyler Hansborough's not there. Yeah. I mean, it, he was just such a big cog in, in getting these other guys. And I mean, you talk about a dude that was just a straight-up leader, tough-nosed guy. Broke his nose. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different moments with him. And I think he's just a guy that also, he was so likable. Like, if you're a Carolina fan, if you're if you're a fan of another team, you hated him. You could not stand him. But as Carolina fans, you absolutely loved everything that he did because he was just, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The dude was just a badass, man. Like, he, 
everything that he did, you loved because he was so good at it. There was never a you, I talked about Kobe White being a guy that played every game the same. Tyler Hansborough played every game with his hair on fire. Yep. There was never a game where he came out and didn't look like he was 100% ready to go. He, he looked like he had just been in the back smelling a jar full of, of smelling salts before the game. Like, this dude was pumped for every game. And I loved the energy. And he was easily, when, when I was growing up as a Tar Heel fan, he was easily my favorite player, and it wasn't even close. He represented at the time what college athletics should look like. Loved college. Like, when we when they lost to Kansas, there was not a question if he was coming back. Tyler Hansborough was coming back because he loved Carolina, loved getting the education, loved doing the things you get to do as a as a Tar Heel, um, and just was, you know, did it in the classroom, off the and, of course, on the court. And just as, as a coachable, as a superstar, as you're ever going to find. And all his teammates loved him. As hard as he worked, you couldn't – it was always deemed that you got to work just as hard as him. And then, But in the big moments, like when he hit the shot against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament to move kind of the final, that celebration running down the Spectrum Center was everything that was was Tyler Hansborough. A big-time play and a big-time moment. He just celebrated running like a rascal down the court, as he should have. He also seems like we haven't heard a lot of it like, which, I mean, you're not because there's not a documentary out about him. But, like, doesn't he feel like the type of guy where if you heard stories like you heard about Michael Jordan of him demanding excellence from other guys? Wouldn't be surprised. That would make, that would make a lot of sense. Oh, that's Tyler Hansford. Also, also, can we not remember that he did cross up the President of the United States in a one-on-one basketball yeah. game as well at the time? I mean... He was just there were so many great things uh, about him, and there there's a reason why when he comes back to Carolina, every time people are excited for him. Like even last year when he called the game for yeah. Carolina, wasn't even in attendance. Patorial fans, e- even if they're normally people that say, "Well, I turn my TV off and I usually just listen to Jones Angel." That game, you turned your sound on. Because you wanted to hear Tyler Hansborough because it's Tyler Hansborough. He was that generation's Phil Ford. And he still has that effect today, as you mentioned. When he shows up, and if they introduce him at the Smith Center or something like that, the ovation that he gets, or even like when they play him on the, the, the video board that I'm Tyler Hansborough and I'm a Tar Heel, his ovation is just as loud as Michael Jordan's, Roy Williams's. You know, Kobe White's and those guys. Just a likable guy. I'm going to be honest. He is probably the one guy outside of Roy Williams that if I saw him in person, I would be a little starstruck if I saw him. Yeah. Because he was just, that brings back the memories of when you were a kid of being like, dude, this is Hansborough. Like, mm-hmm. that's about the the other guys. Like, look, man, I feel like those guys, I could walk, I could walk up and say, "Hey, how's it going?" Whatever, Hansborough. I feel like I would literally just be like, oh, "He's there." Yeah, I kind of feel like that when I met Hubert Davis at the Carolina Basketball Museum. Well, that was you just projecting forward that he would be the next head coach. I mean, also yeah. you were like, I knew it. You were like what thirteen or something like that at that yeah, time. 15. Yeah, you were a little bit younger. So. Um, so there you go, guys. I'll run through my list really quick, and I'll let Anthony go through his. I got Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Cam Johnson, 
Sean May, and Tyler Hansborough to make up my all-time Roy Williams starting five. Yeah, I go with Ty Lawson uh, at, at my one guard, uh, Kobe White at the two guard, Danny Green at the three, Sean May at the four, Tyler Hansborough at the five. What we've learned is that we're going to want to play fast and we're going to want to bully you inside. Yeah. Um, some honorable mentions, you know, you heard all these guys throughout the show, Raymond Felton, Marcus Page, Danny Green, Justin Jackson, Tyler Zeller, just a a lot of great basketball players. Like for NC State, our starting five could be like for the last 150 years they played basketball. That was just 18 years for. Roy I thought Williams. I thought their best starting five was their 1983 national championship <laughs> team. Is that the only group of players that's any good that's ever played there? Yikes! So there's, I mean, there you go, guys. That is going to conclude our our trip down memory lane of Roy Williams's time in Chapel. We're not done talking about Roy Williams and all those former players, but as of today. We are just over a month away from the start of practice. So believe it or not, moving forward, we will be getting you guys ready for the upcoming season. So with that, we're going to go ahead and shut this thing down. Before we let you guys go, get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where, as I mentioned, we're a month away from the start of basketball practice. We're a week away on the day of recording from Carolina's season opener in football at Virginia Tech. A lot of great football content up on the site. We've given you breakout players, bold predictions, schedule predictions. We're going to be getting you ready, guys, for Virginia Tech starting next week. And then, of course, we'll have all the recaps with the Virginia Tech game. Recap. My trench report comes back, and then, of course, the stock report as we are still getting you ready. We'll still be in football mode up until the Carol- up until Carolina starts practice on the basketball side of things. On the podcast, I want you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. We're on everywhere, Basketball Podcast Network. We're through Megaphone. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcast. I do want to apologize for the audio, we- audio issues we had in our last episode. We do believe we have that corrected. If not, Give us a comment so we know we can correct it again moving forward. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast feed. Well, with that, I want to thank uh, Anthony for coming on to talk a little Carolina basketball. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.